Hello and welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. My name is James Fitzgerald and today I'm speaking with Rick Ealing, who is the Investment Director at Quilted Financial Planning. Rick, welcome to you. Hi James, great to be here. Now we spoke only a few weeks ago now about Quilter Financial Planning introducing mandatory ESG integration assessments for portfolios its advisors offer. That announcement came months after NMA revealed that the FCA had quietly scrapped the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation following Brexit. Now, the FCA and government have to come up with new rules for ESG assessments for UK advisors moving forward, which may take some time. But yourself and Quilter have hopped on the front foot and gone the loan on this one. So, Rick, I suppose my first question for you would be, what was the push to make ESG assessments mandatory for your advisors? It was client and advisor demand, James. Um, mm. Loudly and clearly, uh, clients and advisors and our own consumer and advisor research tells us that this is something you cannot fail to have in, in your investment proposition now. Uh, and actually, I think we've been a little late to the party. Uh, I, I would rather that we were having this conversation 12 months ago, mm. um, but we are where we are. And I think we'd like to make up for being a little bit late by doing it very well. Can you tell me a bit more about the process and what you have put in place for your advisors? Yeah, we, we've taken our first steps into ESG integration. Um, we've got more stuff coming down the line um, later this year that I'll, I'll perhaps talk about later on. But mm. where we are now is that we've created three very broad customer types. And all of our investment clients are one of these three types. Um, they have to be very broad because we we have, as you know, thousands of advisors mm. and, and we service hundreds of thousands of end people. And the thing about responsible investment is it, it's a very personal thing. Um, so when you're creating customer categories, they have to be broad and loose enough to accommodate the, the spectrum of real people that advisors are going to encounter. Mm. But our, our three categories are aware, focused, and dedicated. So what do they mean? Um, aware simply means that the customer has been informed as to the ESG integration of their portfolio. So it's an extra piece of information in the advice process, and that's all. Focused means that not only have they been given that extra piece of information, they might have refined their portfolio choice as a result of it. So these, we're not yet at the level of an investment manager reflecting ESG themes in their day-to-day -day selection, but the customer, all else equal, would rather have something with a higher ESG rating than a lower ESG rating, and they might select on that basis. That's ESG focused. Mm. And our final customer category, dedicated, that's where the portfolio manager's mandate includes and, and um, compels them to consider ESG themes, so impact, sustainability, stewardship, exclusions. And they all construct their mandates in slightly different ways and reflect those themes in slightly different ways. Um, but an ESG dedicated investor wants a portfolio manager with that at the front of his or her mind. So aware, focused, dedicated. Um, very loose, that they, they, they cover lots of different types of people. Aware, for example, that could be... Um, at one extreme, a person who doesn't want to know about this stuff, isn't interested, mm. you know, give me the information if you want, but I'm going to ignore it. Or it could be somebody who says, yeah, actually, I quite like knowing that 
this portfolio manager I'm using has integrated ESG to this extent. But that, that's a good piece of information for me. If you come to the focused clients, one extreme there could be um, simply not wanting any zeros. Mm. At the other extreme, a client might say, do you know what? Although I don't want a responsible investment dedicated portfolio, I at least don't want anything with less than a two on the ESG rating scale. Um, so please don't bring me any twos. And then if you come to the dedicated space, well, one, the, the left-hand side of that, if you like, could be that I'm happy with a broad-based multi-asset portfolio reflecting um, all of the major ESG themes, but I don't have any particular focus needs that I need this, um, that shouldn't use the word focus there because I use it elsewhere. I don't have any um, very unusual or personal needs that I need that portfolio to reflect. The other side of dedicated, there are people out there who've got a very, very clear idea what they mean by responsible investment. Mm. And packaged products might not be able to reflect those needs. Would this, would this be the more clued up investors? Or clued uh, up yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah but potentially. So, I mean, what, what we've added on our matrix today is two broad-based multi-asset portfolios, one from Lion Trust, one from Quilt Achievia, they both have responsible investment in their mandate. They do it in slightly different ways and they will meet the needs of lots of people, but they won't meet everybody's needs. Mm. And there might be people out there who have a very, very, very specific idea about what they want their portfolio to do or not do. And for those people, um, you've really only got three options. You, you either have to take them to a bespoke discretionary manager who can build the portfolio for that client from the ground up. You need to scour the whole of market for something that will meet the customer's precise needs. Or in extreme cases, you have to say, I'm sorry, I can't advise you because mm. I can't find anything in the market that's going to deliver what you're asking for. Now, that should be a very, very rare circumstance, but it's conceivable. Mm. It's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you've been doing it long enough now, um, you know, obviously, to get some feedback. And it, it's funny when we speak to advisors about uh, history assessments or even speaking to them about, you know, what the FCA plan to do um, as part of its, you know, sustainable goals and regulations. It kind of, it kind of broke, you know, 50-50. Some didn't feel the need to you know, even bring it up with clients. Some, you know, even if clients came and spoke to them about it, they weren't interested. And, you know, yeah. a vast majority were actually interested and did really want to, you know, improve the ESG knowledge themselves. How has the feedback been within Quilter's network since this has been implemented? Yeah, very positive. And the, the bare minimum now is that this gets brought up as a topic. Mm. Uh, even if the customer is only in the ESG aware bracket and isn't really that interested in the information, the bare minimum is to give them that information and have the discussion. Uh, and we found, as we expected, all customer types from not really very interested to extremely interested mm -hmm. and, 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 and thank you for offering this because if you didn't, I wouldn't be here um, and everything in between. Um, we, we've had a couple <clears throat> of, um, I would say, minor clunks in the way that the process has been rolled out, but that's normal. I mean, you, you roll out an advice process change to thousands of professionals. There are going to be things you need to iron out in, mm. in in the integration and, and we're addressing those as they come up but broad brush i i think we've done this in the right way moving forward and you did um broach this point earlier that you know there will be further additions to this or indeed you know other 
uh, policies or internal um, mechanisms in play moving forward or even perhaps later this year. Can you can you tell me more about those or what, if not specifically, what the idea is and where you want to go? Yeah, well, we, we know exactly where we want to go. We're, we're hoping to launch later this year um, a unique customer profiling tool, uh, which will integrate the risk assessment with the client's preference for active management or passive, with their preference for growth or income investment, with their ESG preference. Mm. And it will be a structured question set um, that goes through all of those four advice vectors and in a tested, statistically valid um, and rigorous way, lets the advisor then draw all four of those things to a portfolio recommendation. Um, I can't say too much about what it will look like, um, but the, the intent is absolutely there to build it. And we, we've partnered with, I think, the right people to help us build it. So that's going to be our um, customer profiler, hopefully from later this year. To complement that, uh, we are working with our partners in Quilter Investors mm -hmm. to launch some new responsible investment model portfolios. Again, they're still on the drawing board, but they're starting to really take shape. Um, they'll cover our full spectrum of risk and they will address responsible investment in, in, in different ways. Um, st still with that overriding constraint that these are going to be packaged products mm. and that can never be right for everybody, like I said, but we think they're going to be right for a lot of the people a lot of the time. Now, as mentioned, Quilter you know, have gone this alone. And do you think, you know, especially with you know, regulations playing catch up now, in part due to Brexit, do you think more advice businesses, especially the large, large ones, need to kind of hop on the front foot on this if it's important? Um, I mean, ESG investing isn't going anywhere. It's only going to get more important um, for clients. Do I know you can't talk too much out of, out of shop or out of school, but... Do, do more companies or advice firms need to take this upon themselves? Well, my question for any advice firm that is waiting to be ordered to do this by the regulator mm. is what, why are you not seizing this opportunity? You know, this, this is something that we found clients absolutely want. Advisors like to be able to give good quality advice in this space. It, it's for me a shame to sit back and wait until someone comes along with a big stick Mm. why not get on the front foot and make this core to, to what you do and to your values as a firm? Well, it's more being, yeah, a lot, a lot of firms are being reactive instead of proactive, which is a shame because this is, you know, it's not really an argument. It's, it is the future um, in a, a largest way that you know, portfolios investing in general. Um, in terms of, you know, internally, when you speak, speak to Quilter advisors about ethical investing or ESG investing, what what is the has there been any pushback at all, or do you got do you guys have or does Quilter have processes in place to educate advisors? Yeah, I mean we've we've got our own internal training and, and development resources, but I I wouldn't characterise what we found as pushback. Mm. What I'd say we have found is you have to undo a lot of what people learned ten or twenty years ago. Yeah, and and if you think back to um, financial planning certificates of 2004 or whatever, um, they treated this as, a, as a, a niche subject. So you had green and you had light green and you had mm. dark green and you had activist. And the impression was that most customers would never touch any of this stuff. You might just have a few niche clients who you have to do something a bit special for. And to two things there, that, that idea that this is a niche interest persists. 
And again, our research um, and what we're learning from consumers and advisors is that this is not a niche interest anymore. Mm. This is already in the mainstream and, and your advice has to reflect that. But also you've got to unpick the old vocabulary a bit. You know, ESG is a new phrase to a lot of people. Responsible investment is a new phrase. Lots of advisors who've been around for a couple of decades still talk in terms of green. Mm-hmm. And green, of course, is only one facet of, of ESG. Well, you mentioned green. The one when you mention green um, to a lot of people in the sector now, you get the term you know greenwashing back. I mean, mm-hmm. what's next for ESG? I mean, some people there is the argument out there if you mention ESG, then you know, it's not really doing what it's supposed to do. Or you mentioned ethical, then there's another. Um, there are issues with that or sustainable. You know, it, it, it depends on which advisor you speak to or which you know investment. Uh, professional you speak to what is next for esg moving forward and in terms of greenwashing what needs to change for those certain investment companies kind of spruiking investment options or portfolios that aren't really you know part of the course or suited to what they're supposed to be well do you know james i had a really interesting discussion with um an investment manager recently about the issue of greenwashing mm. and i think sometimes we we accuse fund managers of greenwashing without really thinking through um the implications of a particular holding. So this particular manager um, has a holding in BP. And he had been accused of greenwashing because superficially, how can BP possibly um, contribute to to an environmental portfolio? But Mm -hmm. his take on this was was really interesting. And it's that they are such a big company with such multinational reach and such impact on, on the world if fund manager activism can make a small change in how BP does business, then the knock-on impact on the world and the environment is actually far bigger than you might achieve through investing in a much smaller company. So I think sometimes we we say greenwashing without really thinking it through. And I, I found this, this manager's perspective fascinating. It, it does come up quite a lot, does come up quite a lot, um, especially advisors contacting us with screenshots of different portfolios or holdings going, ha you know, got you, um, about yeah. certain investment managers. Is it, is it really, and this com- comes back to education really. I mean, yes, there are some companies out there that you know, aren't claiming to do what they say they're doing, some, but, you know, as you say, with the example with BP and other similar organisations, you know, some have got you know, well-documented and well-publicised um, process in place about what they're doing in terms of you know um, environmental assistance or governance or you know, sustainable goals is it does it come back down to education again advisor yeah. education yeah I think it does yeah and and assess funds in this space not only in terms of what they're holding but in terms of what the manager intends to do with those holdings mm. is somebody in BP because they want to use their um, whatever influence they can to drive corporate change and therefore have a positive impact on the world that way. That, that was this manager's position with, with the holding in BP. You know, it, is this manager buying smaller um, sustainable renewable companies in order to provide support to them? Uh, there's, there's lots of different ways to do this. And I think we, we need to be a bit more thoughtful about what individual investment managers are doing and why they're doing it rather than just as, as you found quite superficial snapshots of holdings mm. because there might be thinking behind those holdings that the advisor isn't aware of so i'm assuming by your comments you're very much a, a seat on the table person or investment manager than disinvestment 
Well, it, it, it's more than that. I, I, I have a problem with anybody drawing broad sweeping conclusions about a portfolio based on either very limited or very superficial information. So for exactly the same reason that I would say you can never conclude that a fund is good or bad based on a single three-year performance chart, you can't conclude whether a fund is responsible or not based on a snapshot of its top 10 holdings. Mm. You know, do, do more work, understand who this portfolio manager is, what's their approach, what's their intention with these holdings. And that, that requires effort, but I think that's effort that we should be making. Hmm. No, fair enough too, fair enough too. And come back to regulation. How do you see the regulation of ESG investing as it is now? And where do you think it should be? Does there need any sweeping changes? Does it need regulatory oversight? Um, I mean, that, that's a tough one because I, I think the consumer demand in this space is such that all sensible firms are going to start doing this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's crazy not to have the facility to look after these clients in the right way. So does the regulator need to come along and compel us to do that? Or will market forces just take care of those firms that don't for whatever reason do that? Mm. Where the regulator I think will get involved is, is making sure that where you say a portfolio meets a particular customer need in terms of responsible investment, how are you evidencing that? Mm. And how does the need to be responsible interact with other financial planning factors like the need to deliver a certain level of risk, the need to be broadly diversified and, and all of this other stuff that the regulator I expect will play a part there through through the product governance rules. In regards to you know, this era investing, where is it going to end up? Have you done any research? Has Quilter done any research about the current trends and where it thinks it's going to go? Yeah, and, and I think the answer to where this ends up is found in the people who are going to be tomorrow's investors. Mm. Uh, both anecdotally and through consumer research, it's abundantly clear that today's under 25s, when they come into wealth, will simply not accept investments that they don't see as being in line with their values. Um, so again, this this trend of something moving from being a niche interest to a mainstream interest, I think we are we are in that trend for the next 20 years. And it's mm. a good thing. Well, I suppose we're almost there now, aren't we? And Yeah, but it's only going to get more so. <clears throat> yes, no, very much so, very much so. And would it be remiss of me to say, or a bit mean, that, and I think you, kind of, you briefly broached on this earlier, that if advisors aren't prepared for this, let's say over the next five, 10 years, then will they be left behind? Will it be, you know, yeah. the backside? I, I think they will. I mean, you'll have seen the Lancat research. Um, hmm. They published uh, what I thought was a terrific paper called Crossing the ESG Event Horizon. And one of the things that jumped out at me from that paper was the three broad constituencies of advisor that they found in their research. And then they identified the, the up for it, the scratching the head, and and the not interested, mm-hmm. although I think it was a slightly less less polite phase. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I think the the up for it, those are the advisors who are going to really benefit from this. Their clients will benefit, but their businesses will benefit as well. The scratching their heads, you know, that there's lots of material out there to get up to speed with this stuff. 
uh, there are qualifications, there are papers being published. Uh, and I would encourage any advisor, inside or outside Quilter, in the scratching your head bucket, um, you know, start to dig into this stuff, start to explore what it means and how you can bring it to your practice. And for those who think it's all a load of snake oil or a load of rubbish, well, of course, you're entitled to your view. Um, but I think you're going to find that your clients demand this from you. And, and they're going to want to know why you're ignoring it. Thank you.